Good morning, church. What exciting times we live in. God is on the move. He's doing great things in your midst. He's doing great things in our midst. He's that move across the earth today, bringing deliverance, healing, restoration, renewal, revival. We're on the right side. The adventures will never end. We are going to do a standalone sermon today talking about discerning the times. From next week, we'll be starting a really fantastic sermon series called Undefeated, looking at some of the unexpected and great victories that God won throughout the Bible through ordinary everyday human beings and how they how they partnered with God to see that victory come to pass. Don't miss it. You're going to really love it. But today we are talking about discerning the times. How do you feel about how many WhatsApp messages you are getting about what is going on? Some explanation from some person in some far off nation that you've never heard of telling you what is actually going on in the earth. Some person with a scientific explanation, some person with a, with a conspiracy theory, some person with some wild and way out religious theory. And it's just, it's a never ending barrage of ideas about what is actually happening at this time. But it is so important that we correctly discern the times that we live in so that we can correctly position ourselves to partner with God's spirit to get the most out of what he is doing on the earth today. Many, many years back, thousands and thousands of years back, David, King David from the Bible was amassing an army in order to fulfill God's purposes in that region at the time and God was bringing this army to him and he was numbering all the different men that came from the different tribes that were under David's command and he was listing the tribe after tribe after tribe and he came to the tribe of Issachar and instead of listing the number of men that were there to fight with David he makes a profound statement about this tribe and I want I want to start with that because I think it's so relevant for where we are today. 1 Chronicles 12 verse 32 says this, Of Issachar, men who had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do, 200 chiefs and all their kinsmen under their command. Instead of listing the numbers, he lists this incredible attribute that the tribe of Issachar carries. It says that they understood the times so that they knew what Israel ought to do. Lord Jesus, I want to pray that as we open your word that you would cause us to be people who understand the times who understand what you're doing so that we would know how we ought to live what we ought to do what we ought to do in relationship to our neighbor in relationship to our family to our job our career our walk with you lord god let us be people who understand the times thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord I talked about all the WhatsApp messages you're getting right now, but I had this idea of what lockdown would be. Before the lockdown, I had an idea that I would be sitting at home with many, many hours to spare, not really knowing how to fill my time. I had many projects that I had kind of lined up for myself during lockdown. And as I began lockdown, I collected a whole lot of puzzles. People sent me, I don't know if you're getting like, puzzles and quizzes and things that are coming through on your whatsapp so much fun and I kind of lined those up I was going to spend hours just working through those because I just love puzzles and had this happy idea of what lockdown would be lockdown turns out not to be that I'm working harder than I've ever worked before doing more than I've ever done before loving it but those puzzles are sitting undone 
One of the puzzles that came through that was a kind of puzzle I love is when they show you a common everyday item and they magnify it to a large, large degree so that the ordinary item becomes fantastical. The one I'm thinking of was the magnification of the tip of one of the spikes of a fork. They call them the tines, the tines of a fork. And it was magnified and it looked like this giant mountain. It was kind of silver and white and it had like all kind of slopes and it looked like something like a kind of a wild, crazy Matterhorn. And I looked at this and for hours I couldn't work out what it was. And then when you get the answer, they pan out and they show you this fork from a distance and you see the whole thing. And it's clearly, clearly the point of a fork, one of the points of a fork. But when it is magnified to that degree and when you're focused on one small detail of that ordinary item, it becomes impossible to discern what it is. And so it is with our lives that, that when we are surrounded by this, this difficult season that we are engaged in and we, we are only focusing on the one small part that we have in this, it becomes magnified and it becomes overwhelming and it becomes hard to discern how this particular part of our life fits into the big picture. And sometimes God wants to take us and he wants to pan out a little bit and he wants to put us on, our, on his shoulders and pan out from the, our personal circumstances and, and allow our personal circumstances to fit into the big picture so that we can see how this all fits in, how this thing that I'm going through is part of God's plan and, and how I should respond in light of the big picture of what God is doing. So I want to talk about the big picture that we are experiencing or the big picture that is the big picture of what God is doing in the world today. So God was very clear right from the beginning. He painted this big, beautiful picture that he has of what he's doing and what his ultimate plan for the earth is. And he wrote it down or he had it written down in the Bible. And so we can very easily see the big picture that our life fits into. And we can, we can put our lives into that picture and then easily discern how to live it. Genesis 1 verse 28 says this, and God blessed them, talking about mankind that he had just created. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Fill the earth and subdue it. God's plan right from the beginning was to create this world and it was beautiful and very, very good. But in, in that very, very goodness, there were some forces of nature that, nature that were wild and strong. Still, from the very early days, there were volcanoes, there were tsunamis, there were storms, there were, there were diseases. And he said to mankind, come, let's continue this creation together. In other words, you and me, let us walk into the wildness of the earth and let's tame it. Let's cause all of these forces of nature, nature to be subdued and to submit to my will, to turn around and bless the world so in other words he had he had asked us to partner with him in causing all of the forces of nature's nature to serve his purposes what does that mean in a situation like today what does it mean for mankind today? Well, to a certain extent man has has done that we have partnered with God we have taken the wisdom that he has given us and we have found cures for diseases we've invented antibiotics we have harnessed the light of the sun to create solar energy we have wind farms that give us electricity we have we have begun to harness the for forces of nature to cause them to bless the earth 
And God is calling us to do that again, even in this situation. That one of the greatest prayers we can be praying right now is that those who are at work finding a solution, finding a vaccine for this virus, that they will find it quickly and that we will be able to harness this virus and cause it to bow its knee before the living God and to bow its knee before the purposes of God in the world. There's another scripture that helps to paint the big picture. It is found in Luke 21, 8 to 11, and it's Jesus, and he's talking to his disciples. You know, I've often, to give you just background about why I chose the scripture, is, you know, it often seems like people have asked me this question, how did God not know this was coming? Why didn't he tell us this was coming? Why why did he leave us so unprepared? And I, I want to say to you, that is not true at all. Again, thousands of years ago, Jesus stood before his disciples and he told them what was coming. He was clear as day. He was unequivocal. He was just, he made it known what was coming. Luke 21, he said this to his disciples, see that you are not led astray for many will come in my name saying, I am he and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified for these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places, famines and pestilences, and there will be great terrors and great signs from heaven. He told us, he told us clearly, these kinds of things are going to come. What did he say? He said, do not go after them. People will come and they will interpret these things and they will tell you the time is at hand. How many times have you heard the world is coming to an end? How many times have you gotten prophecies or words, etc.? Do not go after them. Jesus made it clear that these things would come. This is not the end. Do not go after them. You know, I think as we face this time, I'm just thinking of a funny story uh, uh, if it feels like, you know, I don't know how you felt, but when the lockdown first started, I, I kind of got a lot of fear in my heart and I was like, oh, what's going to happen? It felt so surreal. And like, maybe it was some kind of apocalypse on the, we were on the brink of this apocalypse. In fact, one person I know was joking with me and says, like, when we were going shopping, you know, that, that final shop you did before the lockdown where you just bought everything and you went to the shops and there was hardly anything left and you just bought whatever was on the shelves. You remember that? Well, he said it was like we were going apocalypse shop t- shopping and he called it a shopalipsing. So remember the shopalipse, you know, the, the, the surrealness of, we, of what we are experiencing tempts us to feel that that the end is at hand, that something terrible is upon us, that, that we're never going to get through this. And Jesus made it clear, don't go after those things theories don't go after those feelings don't allow that to settle on you continue in what I have called you to do keep going when the end is is about to come you'll know it and it won't be like this it won't be heralded by a disease it'll be heralded heralded the bible said by a trumpet call of victory and joy as Jesus steps again onto the world so as we examine the big picture there are some things I want us to be aware of And the first thing I want us to be aware of is conspiracy theories. The book of Titus makes this profound statement. It says, beware or avoid foolish controversies. It's like God knew 
what mankind is like. It's like from the beginning, we've been making up stories. We've been inventing fables. We have been creating superstitions. We have been trying to explain away all kinds of things using mysteries and fantastical tales. And, and these abound in all our cultures and they abound today as conspiracy theories and superstitions that try to drag us away from the truth of who God is. At the foundation of a conspiracy theory is this philosophy that somehow evil can fool God. Somehow evil can find a sneaky way to undermine God's purposes. No, God knows what exactly what's in the heart of every man. He knows what's happening behind closed doors. He's not taken by surprise. He is not flummoxed by something. Oh my gosh, I didn't account for that. I didn't know that that was going to happen. Oh my gosh, they fooled me. No, that's not exact. That's not at all what is happening with God. God is in control. He's sovereign. He has been orchestrating the plans of history from the beginning and he will continue to the end. He's in control. He's in charge and we can rest in that. Are there things happening, evil things happening that we don't know about? Oh, of course, I'm sure. Do we need to worry about it? No. What we need to do is to stay in God and walk with him, obey him, do what he says, and God will take care of those things. Avoid foolish controversies. Resist them, turn away from them, push them away. Do not entertain them. When you get that WhatsApp telling you this weird and wonderful reason why governments have orchestrated this disease, why there's a secret plot to do something, why there's something that God hasn't taken account of and it's coming to get us, please do not forward that WhatsApp. Delete it, ignore it, avoid foolish controversies. Forward the grace of God. Forward the WhatsApps that are filled with scripture, with filled with faith, with full, filled with what God is doing on the earth today. Let's fill the airways with the revelation of Jesus Christ. Beware of conspiracy theories. They will come. They will go. There is a new one every year. They all have the same underpinning, which is that evil is stronger than God and that God is taken by surprise and that there's terrible things coming to get us. This is not the story of the Bible. This is not the story of the kingdom. This is not God's plan. God is in victory. He has won in everything. He is the creator of the universe. He is sovereign above all. We can trust him. And there is ever increasing good coming to his creation through the knowledge of of Jesus Christ. What else must we beware of? Let's beware of new revelation. Now, of course, if you're sitting in my sermon or someone else's sermon and you learn something new, this is not what I'm talking about. Of course, of course, we are all learning new things all the time and we all need to be learning new things all the time. But those new things that we are learning should be based in the ageless, unchangeable, unquenchable, Non, non-changing, non-turning truth of God. In other words, there is nothing new on the sun. It may be new to you, but it's not new to God and it's not new to the Bible and it's not you, new to the universal ancient truth that God set down from the beginning of time. When God began this world, he established truth and that truth is unchanging. Hebrews 13 verse 8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's not some new revelation. There's not some lost tribe that we need to find. There's not some something hidden that we haven't discovered. There's not something that, that somehow some preacher, some teacher, some 
guru, some person from somewhere, suddenly going to bring into light. And oh, wow, we had never thought of that. Every truth that we know, every truth that we discover, every new thing that comes to us must be founded on the ancient, ageless truth of Jesus Christ as expounded in the Bible. The ageless, ancient truth of God that he established from the beginning and will always be true. Beware of fear-mongering. Like I said, when this first happened, oh my word, did you feel the fear rise in your heart? When we were first told that there was this, this virus that was taking over the world, you know, it just it inspired fear in my heart, and, and I'm sure it did in yours too. And, and I certainly had to work hard at resisting that fear and turning to God and say, God, what are you doing? What does your word say? Let me not listen to these messages of fear in my heart and certainly let me not pass them on. This is the trick, is that you may battle fear in your own heart and certainly you may share that with people who can help you and help you work through it. But don't pass on fear as if it were true. Don't pass on messages of fear as if they were true. If something is filled with a horrible future, with a, a, a picture of a terrible future that is coming to you, it is not true. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, one of the most beautiful scriptures in the Bible. You see it quoted everywhere because people love it so much. Why? Because it was written to Israel in some of their darkest days when they were faced with the greatest challenges that that nation had ever experienced, where their hope was gone, where their, their aspirations for themselves and their children were dashed, when their wealth had been taken away from them, when they were left destitute and enslaved. God came to them through the prophet Jeremiah and he said this to them, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Church, church, I want you to hear the spirit of the living God speaking that to your soul right now. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. The reason we resist fear-mongering, the reason we, we delete those posts that tell us about how bad things are and there's no hope for you and there's never going to be a solution to this and we're being trapped by conspiracies and negative things is because fear is the antithesis, the absolute opposite of what God is doing on the earth today. God is bringing hope. God is bringing life. God is bringing renewal. God is bringing revival. God is working towards prosperity as we submit to him, obey him, and follow him. God is not shaken. God's plan and picture of the future is so beautiful. I, I want to speak a little bit about what I feel like God has shown me in my heart for the future, certainly of South Africa, and of I feel like it's probably for many nations. But certainly in South Africa, I see God doing the most incredible thing. I see a picture of just abundance and life and prosperity. I see a nation that is founded on, on God's presence, is founded on the understandings of Jesus Christ. I see a, a revival that is so large, so all-encompassing that when people enter into our country, when they sit amongst us, when they come here to 
to drink of what God is doing here, that they, it will be said of our nation that God was in the air. It was like you could breathe him in, the revelation of who he is and what he's, and his, his presence with us was so real, so profound that it felt like he was in the very air around us. I feel like there is a, a display God is going to make through our nation of his goodness to the world. I feel like he's raising up South Africa and indeed Africa as a jewel in his crown. That this is Africa's time. That he's riding from the south all the way across the, the continent of Africa with his power and his glory. And he's bringing deliverance. He's bringing truth. He's bringing majesty that cast down nations are being raised up that people who have dwelt in poverty and neglect for generations are being lifted up and being comforted and being placed in places of abundance and life and blessing this picture i see is so it's so true it's so profound it's so it feels so real to me i know that the plan god for you has for you is filled with every good thing do not give up. Do not be do not be deceived by the darkness that is around you at the moment. This is not the end. This is not the place that God is bringing to us. This is simply a valley of the shadow of death that we are walking through towards his green pastures, towards his his places of refreshing. So what is the prophetic significance of this time? First of all, idols are being shaken. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Things you depended on. Oh my word. Just being able to go to the gym. You know, I don't know if that was an idol or not, but it's certainly being shaken. You know, just the the things you depended on, the things you thought were just what you would always have are being shaken. The economies of the world are being shaken. The materialism of the world is being shaken. The independence and the self-actualization and the self the self um glorification of the world is being shaken cheapers even even the idol of sport is being shaken i'm so sorry for all you sports lovers out there but i mean how does it feel not to be able to watch a sports game i mean it's just just your the, the things you depend on are being shaken the things that that you thought were were necessary for life and you discover they're not as necessary as you thought they were and God at the same time is turning the eyes of the nations to him. He's turning the eyes of the people to him. How many prayer meetings have you sat in? How many times have you heard people talk about God when conversations didn't turn to God before? What is he doing? He's shaking the idols of the nations so that the affections of the world will be turned to him. What else is God doing? He is testing the church. Now, I spoke about it three weeks ago that when God tests something, it's not because he's trying to get information. God knows everything about you. He, he's not deceived. He, there's not something going on in your life that he doesn't know about. But there are things going on in your life that you don't know about. And certainly when God brings testing, what's he doing? He's, he's unveiling yourself to you. He's allowing you to see what is in your heart. And he, as he tests the church at this time, he is allowing the church to see who we are in him. He's allowing to us to see the strength, the beauty, the majesty. You know what? When I look around at what the church is rising to right now, I want to say thank you, God. I did not know that there was that kind of courage, strength, boldness, tenacity in your church, Lord. And as this 
shaking happens, I see the church rising up strong and true. Of course, we, we also notice people around us who, who we thought would be strong and courageous, but are, are faltering. And, and, and we, of course, we're going to have to gather them in and strengthen them and help them. But, but at the same time, God is raising up and purifying his church. Why? Because he's bringing deliverance to the nations. And he needs a church that is strong and courageous. A church who knows who she is in Christ Jesus. That will be able to carry that deliverance to the world. Will be able to establish God's purposes on this earth. He is calling out to his church. Arise and be strong. He's testing a heart where, where things are weak and disabled. He's allowing us time to strengthen that and make it right. So that we can carry the glory and the majesty of Jesus Christ into the nations. Third thing I believe he's doing at this time is that he's removing barriers. Andrew and I were praying a little while back and talking through this, and he made the statement that he feels like God is leveling the playing fields. And I just believe that. As he said it, it resonated with me. Can you see how through this situation, barriers are being removed toward wealth distribution? How, how, the wealthy are giving their money into the pot, how, how the, the avenues are being created for that wealth and those provisions to get to people who wouldn't normally have it, that there's, there's, um, there's opportunity coming to people like there has never been before. God is removing barriers. How the differences being, between nations are being leveled, the differences between people groups are being leveled. God is making a straight path for his people. Why? So that spiritual revival may come to people. So that economic renewal may come to nations. God's ultimate plan, as I spoke to you of that picture, is that all nations would know of his glory. There are three things that from the beginning of time he's given us instructions. And that is to, that is to make disciples of all nations. To love people. To love one another as he has loved us. That we are to preach this message. His kingdom of the kingdom of God is at hand. What's he talking about? He's talking about that there's a proclamation coming, that there is a, an empowerment that has already come, that revival is coming to the nations. God is gathering the people, blessing them, pouring out the knowledge and the ways of his kingdom into nations. And he is bringing about economic revival in those nations. Deuteronomy 15 verse 4, powerful verse, God saying to his people, at that time, as I'm establishing the nation of Israel, obey my laws so that there will be no poor among you. God's desire is that all nations would be prosperous, that, that economic prosperity and upliftment would come to nations. This is what God is doing. So what do we need, need in order to weather the stormy days? I said that there's bright times ahead, but we are passing through a valley of the shadow of death right now. There are dark times, but we are going to weather it. We are going to get through. Things are going to be good. How are we going to weather the stormy days? Three things you need to choose. First of all, you need to choose faith above fear. Mark 9 verse 23 says this. It says that to him who believes all things are possible. We choose faith above fear. I've got this fantastic story that I absolutely love. We were talking to some friends recently and they, they shared the story that they're going through very difficult financial times and they've been praying Psalm 91 over their home, over their household, over their family, and they've been just declaring it, proclaiming it. And 
the wife went one day to get a jersey out of her drawer as she was putting the drawer back the drawer wouldn't close and she couldn't work out why they've lived in that house for six years that drawer has always closed called her husband they took the drawer out and behind the drawer so that it was wedged in the way so that the drawer couldn't close were 91 crisp new beautiful 100 rand notes in neat piles clearly they had never been damaged by a, a drawer no one had put them there they had not been before been there before god had put i don't know why he put it behind the drawer but he put it behind the drawer he put one not 100 sorry 91 100 rand notes just to let them know as you prayed psalm 91 i've heard your prayers i'm listening to you i I have you in the palm of my hand. Nothing goes unnoticed. unnoticed. There is never, ever, ever, ever anything to worry about. Choose faith above fear. Choose prayer above panic. Philippians 4, 6 to 7 makes this beautiful statement. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and with supplication and thanksgiving. Make your requests known to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When we pray, when we feel that anxiety, instead of allowing it to develop into worry and panic in our own hearts, we turn to God and we pray and we just simply ask him, God, help us. God, do this for us. God, show us this. We we tell him thank you for all the great things he's done and there is a peace that comes like a giant God that stands at the door of our heart and says nothing else but the goodness of God will get in here we weather the storm by being all together in community and not alone all together and not alone Acts 4 32 verse 35 tells how the early church weathered the storm of famine Shortly after the establishment of the church, there was a great famine in Jerusalem and the church had to make a way of getting through it. How did they do it? That scripture tells us that at that time they they put everything together. Everyone thought of, of what they had as part of what the, as accessible to the community. Those who had a lot provided for those who didn't have. Those who didn't have were encouraged to look at what they did have and were contributing also from what they thought they didn't have even to, into the pot. And everyone was taking care of anyone, everyone. People were contributing finances, um, skills abilities time care love and everyone together made it through that successfully we are starting two initiatives that i'm so excited about we are starting a business network there will be a business breakfast on the 25th of april that will allow the business people of our church to network to interact to find out what's going on in each other's worlds to encourage one another to strengthen one another to partner in different things to provide an environment for the church that is inclusive where the community can can be uplifted together as we all strengthen one another so look out for that advert on social media. We are also partnering with a church in Zunspreit that at the moment, many of their members don't have food and they're really struggling. We are donating money that is buying food packages. You are able to be a part of that food distribution. Also look out for the adverts on social media. We're going to go in there and be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ to people who have a lot less than us. So be, please be a part of that. When we are weathering this all together and not alone, what does it mean for us? It means that those who don't have are going to have to ask for help. Guys, please don't be ashamed. We're in this together. We're going to make it together. If, you, if you're in need, speak to your connect group leader. They will feed it back. We will, make, we will find ways to help you, to strengthen you, to encourage you, to provide for you. So please, if you're in need, reach out. If you have plenty, will you, will you help us to take care of those 
who don't have as much as you and would you contribute and help con contribute to that if you want to contribute at all to the compassion needs of this church we have set aside the rent that we would have paid because we're not allowed, we're not able to meet we have set aside that rent that we would have paid for compassion needs if you'd like to contribute to that and help you can simply deposit your money in the Every Nation Ramsach account and label it compassion or sunspray feeding or whatever particular need you wanted to go to and we'll make sure that it gets there. But we're going to do this all together and not alone. So in conclusion, what is God doing? God is walking into the future with victory in his hands. He is taking you by the hand and he is leading you into a beautiful, successful prosperous future as you put your steps in the steps of Jesus he will walk you through these dark times into something that is that is successful abundant joyful and significant thank you Lord I want to take some time to pray father for those who are watching this podcast and father God they've been discouraged and they have just been wondering about their futures Lord God I ask right now that courage would come to them you would speak into the innermost hearts and you would cause them to find courage, peace and security in you, Lord God. To those who are lonely and isolated, Lord God, would you, would you cause people to reach out to them? Would you cause them to be able to reach out to people and would you bind them into community? There are those of you out there that as you're listening to this, you would just love to be part of this community or part of the community of Christ and you would like to make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that's you, I would love you to pray this prayer after me. There also are links that you can find with this podcast that will allow you to connect with us and we'll help you further on your journey. But right now I'm going to ask you to pray this. Lord Jesus, I come to you and I surrender my life. Lord God, I ask that you would transform me and you would make me new. new. Again, I say I surrender to you, Lord, and I ask that you would be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. Love you to the ends of the earth and back. Can't wait to see you.